Let's do this. How you doing? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckers? What the fuck? Fantastic. Whoops. That's Marin. We can't uh, steal his stick. Yeah. You don't listen to Marin? Mark Marin? So, Remember him? Yeah. Mark Marin. I, I tried Mark Marin because um, our good friend David Dopey just like uh, gushes about Mark Marin and he's always talking about it. And then you started talking about it. And I listened to the episode that Dave was on just out of curiosity. And what I found was that I just... I don't have the mindset at the time anyway. He's like a professional curmudgeon, which I think is yes, funny. Is. But it's like, I feel like Woody Allen is more of, there's some lightheartedness to his curmudgeonry. And with Marin, I got this sense of darkness, you know, that I didn't quite, well, I wasn't jiving with. I'm like, I don't feel like life is as horrible as this guy. I, I don't know. I try and be positive. Um yeah, I mean, I think he just caught Mark on a bad day. And, and actually, that interview with Dave, he was especially cranky. Oh, I yeah. Because re- I, re- I remember so listening to that. I should give him another chance, like five million other people who listen. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to say this. And, and you know, I'm not trying to, like, say that Mark Marin is not, like, a great podcaster, because he is. But I find his interview style to be a little... He, he interrupts a lot, his guests, and doesn't let them get a thought out <laughs> or finish a thought. And, and that drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. He's but. very sharp. He's very funny, and I will give him another chance. If anything, I like his sound. Like when I listen to the, oh, his yeah. podcast, I'm like, yeah. that's something I would like to sound like. And, and he does all that in the garage too. Mm. The garage. Yeah, he's like, got a garage. I listen to a podcast when I'm really into true crime lately, and uh, there's a podcast called, uh, and they are not paying for this, but it's called True Crime Garage. And it's true they have, crime that takes place in garages? Or they, they just do it from the garage. They oh. have like 700 episodes. They have like 30,000 reviews. Wow. And, uh, but they've got great voices. They're from Ohio. And, uh, and the guy sounds just like a, this timeless announcer. And he just looks like a regular young guy. I expect to see like, um, you know, a Dan Rather or something. And it's just, it's just a regular guy. But yeah, true crime garage. I'm really enjoying that lately. Oh, and I have a poem for you. A poem? Is this a Valentine's Day poem? Yes. Okay. Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm schizophrenic, and so am I. (laughs) Uh, uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm using my hand, but thinking of you. (laughs) That's right. Happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. How are you celebrating Valentine's Day? Uh, We're celebrating Valentine's by... I don't know. We're not really celebrating... What, Do you remember like, last year you actually read a whole thing on the history of Valentine's Day? Do we have that? Or was that two years ago or something? It's all right. People heard it once. They don't need to hear it again. Yeah. Well, um, I like doing stuff like that when we have a holiday and, you know, President's Day is coming up. And so. Oh, I can't wait. Sure. I'll Are you going to educate us on uh, George Washington? Uh, I think. Avoid foreign entanglements. Stop shooting down Chinese balloons. I think, yeah, we could do that. I was having a conversation with Max, my eight-year-old, about the Super Bowl oh. and why we don't have Mondays off afterwards because everybody <laughs> gets drunk and stays up late. And I said, we could combine President's Week with Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. Why the hell What not? a great idea. You see that? Somebody who makes those decisions should listen to you. That should be me. I should be making those. Although, 
Uh, I don't know how your Super Bowl was, but mine was. Um, I, I watched about half of it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the flute. I watched that Fleetwood Mac song. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, Rihanna. Oh, she sang a Fleetwood Mac song. No, no, I'm, I'm oh, kidding because that is a Fleetwood Mac song. Which one? Rihanna. She is sings it? like ten songs. No, I never mind. I don't know all of these songs. I, her name is Rihanna. I Fleetwood know Rihanna. Mac has a famous song, Rihanna. Oh, they do? They do. I am missing. I had never even heard of this other Rihanna, but oh, that's because I'm old. She's famous. I yeah, think. for what? Singing songs? I guess. Those are songs? <laughs> they are songs. <laughs> I know. Those are songs I've heard in car commercials. I've heard exactly. in movies. There you go. Boom. That's basically what um, they are. Car I've got commercial a, <laughs> jingles. I have a funny story to go along with that Super Bowl thing, but uh, before we get into that... And we're back. Oh, Welcome shit. to okay. Recovery in the Middle Ages, the Doing podcast that. about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm that ex. And I'm my car. And boy, do we have a show for you. We do? Today on <laughs> RMA, we have a video discussion with a guy from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, there's a fellow, uh, Scott Mannheimer is coming on. Yeah, Scott Mannheimer, and he's a speaker, and he's, uh, he's reached out to us. He's uh, got a great story of recovery and, I think, survival. and his Recovery, uh, survival. He actually, really weird situation. He reached out to us over a year ago and said, listen, I do a lot of work with drug addicts in Kensington area of Philadelphia, which, which is, is this yeah. skid row of the Northeast yes. to beat all skid rows. And I was like, okay, that's nice, you know, um, and probably forgot about it. And then I think I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago. My uh, son, uh, who I just dropped off of college yesterday, mm-hmm. um, he was home for the weekend, wanted to see Kensington and see what Skid Row was like <laughs> for his birthday, which is interesting. I was like, okay. So we drove up there and drove around and I was like, holy fucking shit. This is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. It's uh Is it like tense? It's just like an intervention when they did a whole season in Kensington. Yes, there were just people and we saw them, people just shooting up on the sidewalk did and you see cameras nodding and like out. A and E was around. Well, every you know, and, and there's there is something to be said about, you know, whether or not this sort of like poverty tourism or disaster tourism is is good because it shines a light on the situation or bad because it's exploitative. Mm. Um, I thought it was an educational experience for my kids to see that not everybody lives a a life that we live like in suburban Long Island, that there are people who are really struggling out there. And if you want evidence of what drugs will do to your life, if carried to the extreme, you could do no uh, worse than driving around Kensington and seeing what it was like. So, so we drove around, we checked that scene out kind of, Everybody was very quiet on that car ride home. I'll say that because it yeah. was it was like my kids don't see stuff like that. We take them to the city and they see like people smoking pot in Washington Square Park and think that that's like ooh, you know. But no, I mean, seeing like people have... stick a needle in their arm in Kensington yeah. is a whole different ball game. Yep. And weirdly enough, like right after that, um, this guy sent me another uh, message. Okay. Saying, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> I saw that too. And I, I kind of just was like, oh, um, Mike will look at it. Yeah. Well, and Mike, Mike looked at it. <laughs> yes. And so Scott uh, sent us, I don't know, like 75 pictures of Kensington and yeah. like, you know, of him doing work with the addicts in Kensington. I'm not exactly sure 
what he does, uh, but he but he also I can't um, wait to hear it from uh, from him. Yes, he also sent his story, which is this very long story about his own experience with addiction and recovery. Yeah, it and be really so I think I would look, we're going to speak to him about that, and we're going to speak to him about what he's doing now, and about Kensington and all that kind of stuff. So, well, uh, I'm kind of. St- Stoked. I'm stoked too. And did you know that this episode is brought to you by the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon? What is Patreon? Uh, It's a members-only subscription service featuring a Discord private message chat and video meeting platform for everybody who joins up. You get free merchandise. Um, The best part is you get to hang out with the monsters in the inner sanctum. I thought you were going to say the best part is you get to hang out with me. No, I'm not that... (laughs) Uh, narcissistic, but um, for me, the best part is all the monsters that are just like hanging out. You know, I do a good morning. I try to do a good evening. You do. You're very um, good at good morning and I, good evening. You know, and people are just you know, Julie Keys is all over it. You know, Grant's on there. Everybody. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of yeah. It's really cool. Like if I need to know something about you know recording, you know, there's a couple guys, Kyle, and, um, and there's a, a guy with a, um, a username that I can't remember that is awesome with that stuff. By the power of Gray Skull, that one. Oh, that yeah. One? Oh, that was Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Which reminds me, again, yet again, yes. Kyle put together this uh, Mike and Nat in the morning yeah. thing that oh, I he did? fucking did not load up for uh, this week. It's Mike and Nat it's, in the morning. I'm going to remember it. I swear to God. Yes. So thank you, guys. And join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. We're doing a lot more stuff on there. We're going to videotape with a videotape. Uh, what are we going to videotape, Matt? <laughs> we're, going to, we're going back to the eight, 90s, and we're going to videotape We're going something. to film uh, this uh, interview today, and we've got some... Uh, film. We've got some great interviews on there, actually. It's on know. Zoom, people. Uh, every, Zoom. Yep. Every Zoom interview we've done, uh, we put up on there. So it's a lot of fun. Come join the fun. We're on... Um, we're also on Facebook. We've got a great group discussing things on there. In your Facebook. Yeah. So look us up on Facebook. Join the group and let's recover together. That's my public service. <laughs> very, very, very nice. Yeah. Do you want to let want to read that? What's that? That's my thing that I read. Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world, down the street, across the table, and right, right next, next door. door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up. And get ready for excitement, comedy, <laughs> tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us, Nat? Everywhere. Podcasts are sold. Oh, that's it? That's what we got? Yeah, All check right. us out. Apple Podcasts. Um, great reviews will be read on the air. Uh, listen, guys, if you Five could stars. just do me a real big favor, all of you that have not left a review or a rating on Apple's iTunes, can you please go there and just do that? Like, do that right now. Hit pause. Go give us five stars. Say like, it doesn't matter. It could be a sentence. It could be a couple of words. But what it does is it gets us way up in the search results and helps people find the podcast and helps us spread our... um, Spread the seed. (laughs) It helps us spread that seed across the internet. Uh, It helps us share... I was going to say share our experience, strength, and hope, but we could talk about your seed uh, spreading (laughs) also. Just Um, do not shine a black light on the studio. (laughs) Well, we're in your house, so I don't know what that <laughs> that has to say about <laughs> Peach Trees. Well, we're we're here now in Peach Tree Studios. Peach Tree Studios. I love that. I actually tried yeah. to get um I tried to get what's the chat GPT, but it's for art. Oh, I you know, don't know the one I'm it's talking about. It's AI. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, I tried to get it um to 
spit out a logo for Peachtree Studios because I was like, well, this mm-hmm. is great. And But it was like, what it came up with was very creepy and like dystopian <laughs> and Russian. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Definitely a Russian yeah. AI bot. Um, so, so here we are, Peachtree Studios. So we got a, I got a couple of weird emails. Great. Uh, I'm going to read one from, I'm just going to say the name is JK. And uh, it came with no subject. And the the... The email is this, recovery. Yes. That's it. That's the whole email? That's the whole email. I think somebody might have had a couple of yeah. drinks and sent us a, a word. Jenna K- <laughs> so thank you for sending that. <laughs> Don't say the name because yeah. they're, they're probably not. Yeah. That was a weird one. Um, but, yes. But thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. I like that one. Um, I agree. I got, a, I got another one. Okay. From, uh, I'll call him DC. Hi, DC. Um, Hi, guys. Just wanted to drop a note to say thanks for putting out the podcast. I found you by accident looking for a review of Brian Cuban's book. It's good people find us by accident. I love that. Not intentionally. That's one of my things. If you get the right thing in the title, someone might find it, and this gentleman did. Uh, That was the first episode I listened to, and I related to it a lot. I'm another suburban dad up in Canada, and I'm a civil litigator, which I guess Mike was in the past. I'm also hoping to get out of litigation and into mediating as I continue my journey in recovery. Keep up the good work, DC. All right. Thank you. Addicted lawyers love us. Yes. Yes, queen. Thank you. All right. Uh, you want another one? Yes. This is from MP. All right. Dopey show is the headline, mm-hmm. which is the other show. But right. anyway, hey, Mike and Nat, great show. You guys seem to meld so well together. Yeah. I think she means us and Dave. Oh. Um, or maybe just you and me. Mm. I don't know. Either way. I just want to comment on your mentioning of some listeners being upset by you guys promoting a comedy recovery podcast. As a nurse and a former EMT working in a high-stress environment, if we didn't find reasons to laugh during the course of a shift, we would be crying. Laughter provides an outlet and a temporary escape from the reality of witnessing people suffering, whether it be through illness, injury, or addiction. Comedic recovery podcasts might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it really helps me personally to laugh out loud at something that might otherwise be very dark and deep. Thank you for helping me through this process with laughter. Keep, mm. Sorry, I'm reading this like I'm a robot. Yeah. I just, I don't want to fuck up the words. Keep up the amazing work. Cheers, MP. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, we got into some, uh, let me just say how cool it was. Uh, how cool it was to have Dave sitting in Peachtree Studios and just like taking it easy. And you were saying the same thing, like let's not over over prepare for this uh, discussion with Dave, right? <laughs> right. Because I tend to want to over prepare for things because I believe that luck is the residue of preparation and design. I love that saying, but it's true. What luck? <laughs> Because there's no such thing as luck, is what I'm saying. Oh. Luck is the residue of preparation and design. So it's getting ready that brings you the luck. I see. In any case, but having Dave here, I mean, it was just a great conversation. A lot of great stuff came out, and um, it was a lot of fun. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. I think think it was a fun little discussion, and uh, my mic was lower than yours and and Dave's mic. That was was, totally intentional. And I had the spicy mic, too. I was trying to squeeze you out. Very upset with that, but it's a really good show. And so the comedy thing came up because Dave has dealt with this a lot with... You know, the, the title of his show is like The Dark Comedy of Addiction and Recovery, yes. you know. And if you haven't been through it, 
for the most part, you, it's really hard for people to understand. Yeah. How can you laugh about the fact that you stole silverware from your parents' house, sold it to a pawn well, shop? It's funnier and to it us crack. than it is to our parents, I would imagine. Well, that's the thing, you know, and <laughs> and I don't begrudge someone, you know, their feelings about, hey, you shouldn't joke about this. But what I always say back, because our ad says something about comedy, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Don't listen to it. It's okay, you know, but we use humor, not to be disrespectful, but to kind of get through it. It's that camaraderie. It's the, hey, we can laugh about this now because we're not dead. Yes, that's why the stories are funny. Like I said last week, they're funny because we survived and they're funny because we're on the other side of it. Right. Which, not as funny when you're in the middle of it. You, yeah, and even though I used to try and laugh my way through it. it well, sure. It, it didn't work. Okay. Um, but I can understand why people who have lived with an, uh, an addict or have to deal with you know, a closet alcoholic or someone that's destroying the family on a daily right. basis finds nothing funny in this whatsoever. And some of the people that commented on that that Facebook ad that we've sort of been pushing out there uh, are people who are still having a really hard time. But one guy has uh, cirrhosis of the liver yeah. and he is um, saying that, you know, it's not funny. Stuff. Right. And I'm like, yeah, well. well you know what it's like? Know. It's like when you're starving, you're hungry, you're homeless, you're in New York City and you wander by a nice diner right. and you see a bunch of people who maybe they used to be, you know, homeless and starving are not anymore and are kind of all laughing and having a good time. You might say, fuck those guys. I still don't have, you know, a right. pot to piss in and I'm hungry. Meanwhile, what they maybe aren't understanding about that whole dynamic is there's a door to get into that diner. Oh, wow, man. You two could open it, come in, and speak. You could be part of it. So you're not on the outside. It may feel that way, but we're saying come on in. That's great. Recovery in the Middle Ages. I love the fucking door. Walk through the fucking (laughs) door. Walk through the door, guys. Yeah. We're waiting. Hot coffee, Cheese fries, the works. Is that a, is that an, did that come from AA or did that just come from Nat's brain? It came from my brain. Amazing. I like to, see, uh, my business partner said to me one time, we were, I have all these analogies when I'm trying to explain things to these idiots. And, it's because you have kids. You know, uh, yeah, my, my kids, <laughs> not, not these idiots, those idiots, right. just people. And he goes, your superpower, you should have an A on your chest for analogies. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a good one. Yeah. So, I really like that one. Write it down, everyone. But come on in. But I understand, you know, you might feel bad because you feel like you'll never get it. I'm sure I felt that way, but I yeah. don't know. This is how we get through these things. I mean, I used to I used to get very angry, like, when I was drinking at people that weren't drinking. I get really fucking pissed at them. Because yeah. it's, it's the same thing. Like, I thought they were, like, humorless prigs and fuck them and fuck you for, yeah. you know, not being uh, as fucked up as I am. You know, and, and so maybe this is like sort of the other side of that, you yeah. know, where you, you make it to the point where you're having a great time not using, not drinking, and the people out there that are who have suffered. Actually, that analogy sucks. See, this is why I don't mm-hmm. have an A on me, and I've you have an A, a. on you. <laughs> um, can we talk about something else that came up last week that yeah. I thought was interesting? Um, yes. So we, um, you know, we were talking about Annie Grace, and I got a, actually a couple of a little bit of feedback on this from a couple of different people who were like, Ooh, you know, you know, Dave really, really took a hatchet to Annie Grace. And, um, you know, for those of you that weren't listening last week, uh, you know, Annie Grace is a successful recovery, um, coach, I guess you'd say, yeah. uh, who wrote a book called this naked mind. And, and it's the book that I principally used in my recovery. And a lot of other people did too. We love her book. Yeah. Basically, 
you know, talks a lot about how alcohol is uh, marketed in society and how fucked up it is and how like it's uh, you got to see through that hologram and sort of flip the script around so that you see sobriety as a state of abundance rather than one of deprivation. And but Annie, you know, she also has a, you know, her, her challenges and her you know, she charges money for these things, mm-hmm. right? Like for her program and for her access to her groups and for all this other kind but of stuff. But there's a free level to it. I there mean, is a free level yeah. to it. The she, book is costs whatever a book costs. And, um, you know, so so Dave was kind of go saying like, oh, you know, he didn't like the idea of people profiting off of recovery. And, and um, you know, and, and I'm... <laughs> You know, we I gave him a little pushback last week on yeah. it, you know, and, and then thinking about it over the course of the week, I'm like, you know, it seems like like everybody makes money on recovery. Like yeah. these like everybody but the people in AA like who's not supposed to, which is fine. Well, but you know but what? AA takes in millions of dollars a year. Right. You know? I mean so that, so even AA makes money on recovery. Somebody's making money. Yeah. I mean, and uh you know, I mean, does does Dopey make money off recovery? Not necessarily, but it's certainly recovery adjacent. You know, and all, all the podcasts out there. I mean, look, we we have a uh, we have a Patreon, but I, I wouldn't say we're making money off of recovery. No, you know, I always push back on that when people would be like, "You're just doing this for money." To like, I'm I'm saying like, look at the therapists and yeah, people in right. the recovery industry that are helping. Like, this is uh, a capitalist society. Money makes the world go around it's okay to make money off of goods and services. It doesn't make it less moral. Like even, right. even uh, the pastor at my church gets a salary, you know, it's not much, but it's okay. Like it doesn't diminish the, uh, it doesn't diminish your efforts to help people. I mean, uh, if you're able to sell a t-shirt and make yeah, $5, like, right. it's just fun. I don't know. And why shouldn't Dave be able to just like do that for a living? Of He's course. helping so many people and, you know, I say, God bless him. Stop apologizing for wanting to make a, a living on it. Right. But, but you know, I think somebody like Annie Grace, it's a li- it's easy to pillory her because she she is like very much from a marketing background. So yes. a lot of the, the the way she delivers like her products and her advertising is a little slick. And I think that yeah. sits wrong with, with some people. Um, yeah. I don't happen to agree with it. I think, you know, this is, we live in a country with a for-profit healthcare system. And yeah. if on the one hand, you're going to argue that uh, addiction is a disease, mm. I mean, it's treated the same as any other disease in this country, right? And then yeah. there is money around it. And, you know, should there be less money and in um, rehabs and all that with the body brokering and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like I mean, that's the, the dark side of trying to make money. But if yeah. we can just be grownups and good people and not get greedy... Right. Well, you know, why not? Why, right. why can't we just all... I mean, you, you, know. you can you can be greedy, but I mean, you got to look at it like uh, like like Smart Recovery does with, with drinking. You make a cost-benefit analysis, and right? And if the amount of money you're bringing in is doing re- is a really good thing for you, but at the same time, you're helping like millions of people mm. get put their own lives back together, then, you know, who's who's taking advantage here? You know, it, it, yeah. it just doesn't... So, I, you know, I... I, uh, I oh... I don't like the idea of like sort of carving out one particular area of the healthcare system and saying here you're not allowed to make money because no. really if you look at it like you know there are people people die in this country because they can't afford cancer treatment like are, should those doctors be pilloried for making money for treating the cancer of the people that they are treating I mean it's yeah you know it's I, dicey and and Dave's always had something like when he was first having Amy Grace on I think because uh, I was talking to him about his shows and he was kind of like. He knew I was into Annie Grace, uh, and and so he was kind of like, "What is this book all about? You mm-hmm. know, just t- explain to me why this 
person is so popular. And I did my best. I told him why I liked Andy Griffith. And he, I feel like there's there's just a disconnect. Um, he just, I think he's not seeing what's so special mm-hmm. about her. He just, it's like, I don't know. It's it's not for everybody. She's more of like a wine mom. Like, I know he understands it, but he's kind of telling me, like, I don't really get why people love this so much. Like, what's so great about Andy Grace? But, I mean, I just the way the book is great. You know? I mean, I think it's, you know, people approach their recovery from all different places. I mean, yeah. you know, not everybody was a, a heroin addict. You know, there are people that just drink too much and want to stop doing that. And, you know, maybe they don't need the kind of yeah. church basement 12-step AA formula. Maybe they need something a little different, you know? Right. But, I mean, that's the good thing about our show and about Dopey is even if we're not necessarily like 100% in agreement or even like some of the books we're reading and, the, and, and all of that, we bring it on so people can hear it. Yeah, and uh, I know a lot of our uh, a lot of our monksters out there get a lot out of Annie Grace and um, and her uh, and Paul Churchill too. If we want to talk about slick marketing based, really helpful recovery programs, yes, uh, Recovery Elevator is the other behemoth that does a lot of good and has a lot of great services. I know G Money Smooth gets a lot out of those yeah. uh, recovery elevator groups, and maybe one day we can jump in there and uh, and do some fun like. Uh, those retreats and things. I, I still have that in the back of my head. I'm yeah, going to have retreat, you know, get a monster retreat upstate or something or Costa Rica. Yeah. And just chill out with some other middle-aged recovery people. That would be great. <laughs> just enjoy it. I mean, I don't feel like I necessarily want to make any money. No, I don't like, care. As long know, as I, I can I, do I, it. Right? I mean, it just costs money to go to these places. So. I mean, you and I were just talking this yeah. morning and we... We've not spent a dollar of Patreon money no. to come into it's, the door. Like, it's we, not we're much. Still, we're still like paying yeah. for the website shit out of our own money, yeah. and we just let that sit sit there because I th- I feel like someday maybe we'll just take that and donate it to something. Yeah, you know, like I mean that would be cool. Yeah, we can. Um, we both have jobs, right? I mean, we're like yeah, just barely. But just we got one. <laughs> <laughs> this week I have a job. Um, well, let's see. I'm gonna pull up the Zoomster. All right, we're so, almost we're almost. There. So why don't we do this? Mm. Why don't we take a short break? And we'll be be right back back with Scott after these words. Okay. Scott. Hey, man. Are you there? What's going on, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? Blessed. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Scott. Sorry it took us a year to write back to you. Is it? <laughs> we're just totally disorganized. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, due season and time, everything works out. Yeah, man. You know, I, it's funny. I was telling Nat this morning uh, before we hopped on that, um, you know, I remembered you sending that uh, that email to us about a year ago. And then at the end of October, I actually was in Philly and I drove my kids through Kensington because, um, oh boy. you know, my son who was in college is kind of like, well, what does a skid row look like? And I said, I'll show you a skid row. So we went up to, to Kensington and drove around and, and saw the, uh, you know, there's people shooting up in the street and, you know, it was really kind of a desperate scene up there. And it really kind of set me back because I, you know, I've seen skid row in LA and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was in the Bronx in the eighties and some pretty dicey places, 
but uh, but Kensington was like nothing I'd ever seen, and so we, you know, drove home, and after that, and and it was like a couple of weeks after that where you emailed me again, messaged me again, and sent all those pictures, mm. and I saw that picture you standing under the sign that said "Changing Lives," and my wife, who was a literacy coordinator at a school, because the whole thing is changing lives through literacy, mm. so she took that same picture, you know, and I was like, wow, that's like got to be some kind of a sign or something that I gotta ha- I gotta have this guy on, yeah, so. <laughs> Glad to so have here you. you. Here you are. It's a blessing to, and an honor to be on this on this podcast and be able to talk to you and tell people about the testimony and where honestly God brought me and where I was in the streets. You know, it's a crazy story, but uh, how He works it's a it's a crazy crazy thing. How He just works, how He can just transform you, and as long as you just let Him. Okay. Honestly. All right. So. Um Definitely want to hear about how, how God is working in your life and how God got you to the point where you're helping people out in, in, in down there in Kensington and what he did for you. Yeah, take us through Why it. don't we start, in the, start at the beginning? And, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, and if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in every once in a while to sort of clarify a couple things. Possible. Great. But my name is Scott Mannheimer. People know me as the Hope Dealer for the Lost. I was raised up in Brooklyn and Staten Island by my parents, Bonnie and Marvin, and I have a sister, Heather. And uh, I was just a troublemaker growing up, <laughs> like the problem, I would say. Uh, I was always starting trouble, like the class clown in, uh, in school. I actually stole my mother's engagement ring, and I proposed to one of my teachers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great <laughs> move. And she actually still talks about it to this day. Which is- but uh, I was just one of those kids that just... I wouldn't say I wasn't loved by my parents. I was definitely loved, but they would just give me money, 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 money. So I didn't like know what real love was. So uh, my grand, this is where it all started. My grandpa died one day before my birthday, January 19th, 1994. And uh, that's when it all started, where I just turned like reckless, I would say. And I didn't know who I was anymore. And I was just, I was very uh, resentful and bitter and rebellion. And I just hated everybody. I, I'll say it. Mm wanted I hurt everybody and I ended up moving to Staten Island and that's when like the the chaos started I started like dabbling at like maybe 15 to 16 what's just with drinking where everybody else starts it's almost like a gateway I call it uh smoking weed and yeah. drinking then it just unraveled <laughs> what, like what, what part of Staten there, Island were you living in I was all over the place I was in Oakwood Great Kills Cottonville like around those areas yeah, I lived up in uh, by Silver Lake uh, Park for a couple of years in the mid aughts. We were native at one point. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I ended up with Staten Island, and it just it just spiraled. I would use that word, and mm. I think everybody would use that word spiraled like a like a twister or a tornado. And then the earthquake happened. You know, I started mm. drinking. I started doing steroids. How old were you? I was about 17, 17? 18. Yeah. Uh, just from the loss of my grandpa, I didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, a lot of people numb themselves from mm. death. I, I know that just from what's going on in my life and I'm seeing people and I actually talk to people and they t- I tell them, what do you want? Food, clothes, or the open ear? I ask everybody in the streets when I evangelize mm. and they say an open ear. And I know the answer, but yeah. I just want to hear other people because they never had open ears. So I was just, just in Staten Island drinking, smoking, it got to a point I started doing steroids and lifting up very heavy weight. I was uh, benching over 500 pounds. Jesus. Jeez. 
<laughs> wow. Now, because I'm just a fat guy. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> but uh, I was just very, like, crazy. I started doing security. I was working all over New York, the Bronx, New York City, doing uh, bodyguard work. I was driving, honestly, girls around. I was working in strip clubs. I was going to multiple doctors, four multiple doctors. I was selling a lot of the pills, taking the pills. I was getting Adderall. I was, you know, I was a guinea pig. I'll call it a guinea pig. Right. And I was a guinea pig for the doctors who were the real drug dealers. A lot of people won't say it, but I'll say it. They're the real drug dealers. They see a, a, a problem. I started getting neck surgery. Uh-uh. They seen a problem in my neck. Pills, 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 pills. Yeah. Instead of going to like the holistic way or, uh, you know, the homeopathic way or the real way to heal. So I started spiraling and drinking a lot, uh, taking like ecstasy, shrooms, a little bit of cocaine, uh, a little bit of Xanax, but it was mostly drinking and pills. And and it got to a point it was like, it was getting crazy. I, tra- I tried to kill myself 12 times. I didn't realize it now, but I, I realized it back then, but I realized it now. I was crashing my car on purpose. Wow. 12 totaled cars, done. And my parents were like, I could see it in my dad's face. He was like, I could see my, I know my dad. <laughs> like, he was crying inside. Like, what do I do with this kid? Mm. I didn't, he, I listened to my mom. I didn't listen to my dad. There was no punishments. So how old they are you? Me. How old are you at this point where you're, you're so you, you got. Funny, I was spiraling out of control. So like you, 13. So this is when you have like a job, you're driving the girls around, you're doing all this stuff. Yeah, I, I was like a functional addict, I would say. Mm. I had days that are really like bad, but I was more functional. I was driving girls around. I was doing security. I would have construction jobs, but I was func- I, I could function in a way. Yeah. And uh, I always had a job. If it wasn't like like drugs, I gambled a real lot. I, if I had to pick one of my worst problems, it would be gambling, which okay. I got delivered probably about it. Eight months ago, I got fully delivered. I was dabbling still. But eight months ago, I woke up fully delivered from gambling. I lost like over $2 million in sports games. Are you betting on the Jets or something? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) They're going to do it this year. (laughs) The Knicks are going all the way this year. (laughs) Uh, uh, I was betting on my favorite team, you know, the Knicks, the Giants, collecting people I didn't want to collect. No names, but you use your mind. You know, you know, going to social clubs, playing poker, just with people that you think like you. But, you know, you, you got to watch your circle. Mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of people. I got a message from this guy, Robert, today, and it really touched my heart. And he was like, I have nobody. Mm. There's just a crying world out there, people. Anybody listening to this podcast, and I'm even speaking to the people who are running the podcast, mm. it's a crying world. People do want to help. They just don't know where to turn to. But, mm. uh, yeah. Not spiraling. It was just getting out of control. It was just fighting, and I didn't know where to go. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know God. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my identity. Uh, the doctors were just putting diagnosis out there. I was like, I, I don't believe I'm bipolar or mm-hmm. ADD. I don't. I don't believe in that stuff. Do I believe in depression, anxiety? Yes, I believe in it. But they, that that's why people are on Seroquel, Abilify, and all this crazy stuff. And it's just, it's not getting to the root of the problem. Right. So one day I woke up, I was 33 years old, and I'm a fighter. <laughs> I like to fight. I boxed a little bit. You know, I, I love to fight. And I said to myself, I woke up one day, just, you know, withdrawals is no joke, people. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing. And I tapped out. 
for the first time ever, I do not tap out ever. I'm just I have that resilient lion. You know, I got a hat for a reason. It says the lion. Nice. And uh, I'm a lion. You know, I just don't give up. I just don't have it in me to give up. And I woke up one day and I said, where do I go? I started searching. And I'm the type of person that I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. 90% of the rehab suck up here. Yeah. Yeah. But if I lead you to the well, you got to drink. You got to just do it. Get your, my, my biggest thing when I do an intervention, I actually got one at 10, 15, 10, 30, is... I want to see you get your family back. There's mm. nothing. The addiction is great. I, I, you're free from addiction, but I want to see you get your kid back. I want to see you get your purpose, destiny, and assignment. So that's I the hard work, life. too, right, Scott? Like quitting the drugs, like looking back, getting the family right. back, the friends. Like uh, that's where the work starts. And, and it, it's, <laughs> I don't want to like get emotional, but it yep. took a lot to get my parents back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. me too. But hey. Like my dad says, I'm proud of you. My dad never said he's proud of me ever. Like he called me yesterday and said, I'm really proud of you like multiple times. Wow. That's great. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Oh, it's amazing to hear when you never heard it in your entire life. Yeah. And, and, and it's like all glory goes to him because he, he chopped me down. He broke me. Like he had me against the ropes. I was in the wilderness. You know, I, I pray a lot now and I pray where I feel the world shaking and it was just like, I felt like I was in the wilderness, but now I'm in the wilderness with him. And now he's crushing me against the ropes. But I ended up going to Mexico. Honestly, it's very rare that people get to go to Mexico. Right. You know, people go to Florida, people go to Jersey, New York, and all these crazy places that they just put you on a maintenance, my opinion. And uh, I ended up going to Baja, California, Mexico. It's in right near Tijuana. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, got picked up in San Diego. And uh, I got driven over there and it was 30 days, but I ended up staying another 15 days for free because the guy was like really in love with me. And uh, he like loved my uh, grit, my hunger. And I ended up going there. And when I'm telling you, it was probably one of the best rehabs I've ever been to. Do I agree with it now that I'm a Christian? No, yeah. I don't believe in ayahuasca and ibogaine and Reiki and yoga. You, you know, did I all that like stuff for the in Mexico. You got to do the ibogaine and the ayahuasca. I no joke. Guys. Wow. No joke. Did it was it, a 12-procedure. Yeah. It was probably the strongest drug I've ever took. I did DMT. They gave me a sample so I would get used to it. Wow. It was, I felt like I was in like one of those like little like spinner things. I huh. just, whoa, 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 whoa. And it was like, <laughs> wow. Spin cycled, yeah. <laughs> spin, spin duty, I call it. It's get a skid row. What, yeah. uh, what do you think that, uh, how do you think that, that worked on you. I mean, did, did was that a overall I, I, positive effect uh, at the time? Because you know, psychedelics I, I, are like a huge thing in in uh, it's very recovery right now. Right People now. are kind of yeah. pushing that. High on it. He's huge on it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I have no urges, no cravings, no temptations. I had no withdrawal down there. It sounds crazy, and people won't believe me. Zero withdrawals. Wow. They, they did. Uh, hyperbaric chamber which i was really scared to get in i'm not gonna lie because it was a very closed in but i just kept praying in there and just i, I just found myself wow. when i was down i was working out right by the ocean it was beautiful this it's one of the beautiful places it's not like one of those like catered place like you go to in california like some of these places this place was like a protocol down to the science this guy had it down to a science and it was like it was like Heaven on earth over there. I'm not going to lie. I met who Scott really was. Yeah. They did a plant-based diet. I lost 30 pounds. I gained 50 back, but. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I got my life back. How did you, you know, how did you find that place? Like how, how did you end up there? Because I mean, usually you're right. The trajectory is you go to a place closer to home right, or some place that's a little more traditional or a little more grounded in the 12 steps, but you find yourself, you know, in Tijuana oh, doing yeah. ayahuasca on the, on the Pacific coast. So how'd you get there? If I had anything to say, it's man. I always tell people when I walk the streets, I hit the streets a lot. I really yeah. love evangelism. The streets, it's it's a blessing, literally. And I tell people, you might have tried 40,000 rehabs, but your name is on one. And yeah. guess what? Hello, sanctuary, my name was on it. Hmm. And it just came across it, and it was like, wow, I guess I needed the Michael Jordan of rehabs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, sorry. So I was about to say, so you, you finish up uh, at that rehab, and then you fly back to where, Rhode Island? No, Pennsylvania, and you go to the P- weirdest yeah. Ever had to say, uh, this is the weirdest part of my whole testimony. Yeah. So you're <laughs> in Pennsylvania. New York to Mexico yeah. to Pennsylvania, which is very slow, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you ever been to Pennsylvania, but it would be a blessing one day if you do come to Kensington and ministered in the streets. Yeah. But uh, I got to my parents' house and I was like, wow, this is very quiet. I slept for 14 hours. If I didn't hear ambulance, I didn't hear police. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on? I got depressed. I'm not going to lie for like six months. And then I started listening to Eric Thomas and Tony Robbins and something just switched in me like a light switch just popped. And I said, I'm going to go do Uber. And that's when my life changed. And uh, it's amazing. <clears throat> just an amazing feeling. Just finding your calling. I started doing Uber in Philly, just uh, speaking life into people. There's a, it's, a, it's a dead world right now we're living in, and the times are coming, man. It's a, it's a scary world with the earthquakes and everything, but I just started ministering, and uh, for all the places, I got lost in Kensington. I didn't know where I was, and I was in front of one-pound cheesesteak. I'll what? tell you exactly how it happened. <laughs> and I heard God for the first time, and I heard him say, I need you here. And I was like, what? I, was like, I thought somebody was talking to me outside the car. I was like, and I heard it again. And I said, "Wow, and this I is outside the like, this is outside the cheesesteak place." Yes, right. Sat wow, outside. wow. God, God knows where to find people yes, in does. Philadelphia. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I was hungry at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Wow!" So I st- I I called my ex girlfriend. I told her, "I was like, I got to start something up in Kensington." God just spoke to me, and she knew I was a Christian, but she didn't know like I heard from God and. I was like, let's start going down there. So we, we made it. She, she thought of a name, Jesus Chainbreakers. We started going down there, food and clothes and ministering. It just wasn't enough. He was tugging on me even harder. And uh, I started something that he just imparted in me, a gift that he birthed inside me. And I started Hope Dealer for the Lost. I wanted more. <clears throat> I wanted to be like a tsunami come at me. Mm. So me and my friend Arthur, who's my brother, I would call him my brother. We started going down there three times a week. Then it, I went down to like maybe four times a month, but people were just calling at it. But I was meeting different ministries. I was ministering in the street, and then people I would get a I would get a business card with changing lives with my picture on it with Hope Dealer for the Lost and the number, and I was just hand them out thousands and mm. thousands, thousands and thousands. They would throw them on the floor, and I was like, "Good, throw them on the floor because that one would pick them up." Right. It's all yeah. about even the ninety getting that one. And then all of a sudden, one person would go to rehab and I would keep in touch with them too. And I don't keep numbers because it's not about the numbers, but it's probably over 200, 250 right yeah, now. That's amazing. And uh, people are sending me pictures with their family for Christmas. And uh, 
Then just one of my good friends, Anthony, believed in me recently and he started a website for me. And it's like, it's good to see my old friends believe in me. Yeah. And it's like, and then you see other people believing me in me, like different ministries. I have a, a person that believed in me in a warehouse, like five different warehouses, the triple the size of Costco, giving me food. Now I need a trailer. I can't <laughs> put it in my So it's like, I keep hearing, you're going to be the Joseph in the famine when, when people can't get food. Right. I'm, I have a basement. So, you know, it's just, it's a blessing to just help people. I know there's people out there struggling. I know addiction is on an all-time high. People might not want to talk about their addiction because they're ashamed. Yeah. But there's a man called Scott Mannheimer that's ready to just help you. I'm ready to come to your household. I'm ready to come to your city. I'm ready to come to your state. I'm ready to come to even your country. <laughs> you guys, I'm serious. Like I, I'm, I stop everything. I even said it in a video. My job is okay, but a life is more important. I don't want to see somebody bury. I tell somebody if I. You have to pay for an intervention, two fifty or five hundred. It's better than paying ten thousand for a funeral. Oh right. yeah, and and what happens? Like, I'm really curious about. It sounds really great, Scott. It's it's really inspiring, and I'm just thinking, like, take me through, like, if I'm a, a junkie on the streets of Kensington, right. and I see your business card, you know, next to a gutter, somebody threw it away, and I go, man, I need help, and I make that phone call. Like, take me through. Right. What happens? Like, what do I do? What is your name again? I'm Nat, sorry. like Nat King Cole. Nat. Nat. Oh, oh, Nat. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so I was. What's going on, Nat? Let's hey. let's talk. For, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I'm going to be honest. God just downloads me something, and it's it's wild. I don't even speak. Uh, a lot of people don't believe in God. I believe in God. I don't knock anybody's beliefs, but He just downloads me everything. Yeah. Like what I have to say to you, and I'll say Nat. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? That's the word I use. Yeah. And you'll be, I go, are you really there? Are you ready for a change? Are you ready to step into your purpose? Are you ready to open up that door for a change? Are you ready to see your family again? And people say, I don't know. And then they yeah. walk away. But then they call me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's planting seeds, guys. Planting seeds. And, and then you so, come and get me or you'll like meet yes, me somewhere? Uh, yeah, I would say, hey, Nat, what's going on? What rehabs did you try? I want to know what you tried that wasn't successful. Right. So then I'll say, mm-hmm. how many years have you been on drugs? All right, say 15 years. Do you think a 28-day program would work for you, Nat? I don't think so. But let's give you a six-month to one-year program, then transition you into a place that could give you aftercare. Wow. That's the biggest word. Yep. But then we'll give you a trauma psychiatrist or or a person that'll a counselor that'll counsel you to get you to what 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 started this me it was my grandpa i believe nobody in my family was addicted maybe addicted to gambling then we'll make the phone calls nat what insurance do you have what if i I have no insurance scott i got nothing i haven't talked to my family in 30 years this is where it all starts because i hear it all Time. Yep. We're going to bring you to the hospital because this is the only option right now. Or we could bring you to a nonprofit, but I don't think you'll want to do that because then you'll have to just wean yourself off with nothing. And uh, I bring them to the hospital. They get the assessment. It's like a golden ticket where they could go to like 75% of the rehabs. Wow. And they end up going. They get, they get the treatment because a lot of people in Kensington, their skin is just deteriorated. Yeah. Literally, you could get flesh. It's, I want to just tell people, guys, this isn't heroin. This isn't fentanyl. This isn't trank. I know a lot of cops in New York. It's called, I think it's neoxetrine. 
And it literally, I talked to this kid, Robin. He actually wrote me this morning and he says, I don't know what to do. And I ended up sending him somewhere and they're working on their la- his lacerations in his legs. Wow. It's real bad. Yeah, I've heard of this this stuff that's uh, it's out there. It's like they call it something like uh, turns you into like alligator skin or something or kind of. Uh, yes, you're right. It's that and stuff I, coming to America? Because that was in Europe, right? They called it like been, gator or something? Yeah. It's been here, Nat. Wow. Yeah, yeah I've been I've been and, sober six years, five years. And, congratulations. Sure. Five is the, the word for grace. Yeah. I'm five and actually. Awesome. November 17, 2017. But uh, a lot of, I'll say it honestly, a lot of rehabs and hospitals, they neglect the addicts. And that's why yeah. we see in D. Detroit and Baltimore, Skid Row, Seattle, Tent City, all over the world, Skid Row, and like El Paso, Texas. And I can keep going. Mm-hmm. These are places I actually want to minister in. I've been to Baltimore. I stayed there for like two, three hours just walking around. I've been to Trenton, Camden, Patterson, Newark, just places that maybe Atlantic City, but there's places that I really, really want to go to. Like I've been offered to go to Pakistan, Brazil, and Africa. Wow. But I'm until he tells me to move but yeah i try to find out who you really are and that mm-hmm. i want to i want to break you down and see who you really are and i want i want to tell you that i love you because once because there's a lot of barriers open a lot of barriers are up in the jail cell they're in a bubble so yeah. i gotta break down and find out who he really is it, it doesn't happen if they're a minute i can tell you that right but so you work it with them yeah. so so um so rehab was pretty effective in your case, but a lot a lot of times it's not. So do do you see people that you get off the streets? Do you see them again on the streets after their after the rehab situation? Uh, Does it not say- take in a lot of cases? Because the statistics show that it's 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 a real challenge with those places getting them to stick. Yes, I'm very resilient. I would say, <clears throat> but I think the best rehab that I have ever went like brought people to is Team Challenge. I believe in it. It's a one-year program. It's a faith-based program, but if you don't believe in him, like God, I, I, I go a different way. But it's a one-year program. It's and it's just <clears throat> they put you on some boxing, wean you off, and then it's all faith, 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 and it just it, it gets the crevices that you didn't know you could get into because there's crevices that people like. There's there's no counselor that could get to it. Yeah, and like, you need time, great- right? A year is. Uh, like 28 days for me, I went to rehab a few times. Not enough time. That doesn't seem like enough time no, at all. 28 days is I, I nothing. Guys, I don't believe it. And I tell people that, do I see people go back to the streets? I would say, with the talk that I have to people, I would say it's 75% success rate that I've been having. Wow. Uh, which I think is pretty good. Well, let me That's ask great. you this. Do you find that the, the people who embrace the faith-based Based program have a better outcome or a worse outcome than people that just go without any belief in a higher power or anything? All right, this is what I believe. I never believed. Uh, I was raised in, you know, I wouldn't say a street kid, but I was somewhat a street kid. And uh, it took me to have that encounter. I had the encounter, and people say, How do you believe in God? The encounter. But I never had that encounter. You will have that encounter. And then you'll believe because. You see it all over the world. People are coming. It says all knees will bow, all tongues will confess. It's just you have to have that encounter. Like a lot of people don't believe I had the encounter. I had a prayer room. I seen Jesus when I was praying. I seen him in the sky. I seen the Lion of Judah. Like a lot of people don't believe it. But until they have that encounter, I seen a vision of my grandpa. I was in my parents' basement. 
and I, I was listening to worship and I heard a prophetic word and I literally seen a picture of my grandpa. And since then I, I literally healed my, yeah. my heart healed. I was, I had a thorny heart. I was very, I hated my parents. I'm going to be real with you, but they helped me. Yeah. But we, since then I, I love my parents. I like tell my mom, I want to see her feel better. I want to see her. What happened to me happened to her like healed. Yeah. Were you raised uh, in a religious household? Not at all. Wow. No, I was I was raised Jewish, honestly. My family. My Mazel family Tov. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, my grandma was just beat, got out of the Holocaust. And, uh, wow. I raised them, like, Passover. And all. I had my bar mitzvah. But then, I don't know, I think that ayahuasca, man, I, I uh, had, like, a, a weird epiphany I, or, like, a, some, something happened. Yeah, down you see, there. you, I like, heard. step outside yourself, I've heard, like. You, you I, I, I didn't know what I, I I honestly did not know what was going on. I was purging. Yeah. Uh, I, I was like, throwing up, but I was like grunting loud. Mm. Like, a lot of people they don't realize what it's stemming from. What is it? Could be hereditary. It could be anger, mm -hmm. resentment. This. It could be hate. It could be just somebody dying in your family. It could be a tr physical, mental, a sexual trauma, and that's why they go to drugs and. Uh, Right. Until they realize that it's either going to be death, rehab, or jail. I tell people, if you don't want to go to rehab, I hope you go to jail. And it sounds ruthless, what I'm saying, but at least at least in jail, they'll find God. A lot of them pick up the, the Bible, honestly, and they meet God in jail. And I've been to jail ministry, and, and they tell me these things. Like, I've been a few times, three or four times, and they tell me, like, they have a Bible in their hand. Yeah. But, uh... What I believe is, I, I like that God gave me the intervention power to just speak to people, and it's a blessing to just go into houses. And what I believe too is, there's a lot of enablers, and I know you guys are gonna agree with me. Parents mm. are enablers, girlfriends and boy are enablers, and sometimes they boyfriend and girlfriend are together. Can you, oh, what are you gonna do? I want to go into rehab together. No, no, that's the worst. Yeah, that's a bad idea. I don't. Believe rehabs guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah a couple wants to they always want to go together and oh we need to go to the same rehab you're like no you need to never talk to each other again <laughs> exactly go get healed and then if it's ordained or whatever happens eventually you'll meet again but go get go get freedom from drugs you know there's people all over the floor everywhere man like get off drugs make that phone call to 917 so you can get freedom, you know, like there, there is a name with your name on it for uh, at a rehab. It doesn't matter where it is. All you got to say is that one word that it took me is yes. And I surrender and the shackles and chains are broken. Like it did with Nat and everybody, multiple people around the world, you know, Brandon Novak yeah. has house all over. He's awesome. You know, my friend, oh yeah. My friend, Tim Lodgen, who I know very well went to him. And, you know, there's a lot of people like that, that that found their calling, you know, and it takes that one word. Yes. One day and just wake up. You know, there's people watching over you that wants to see you get free from drugs and just takes that one call. That's why technology is great. That's how I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. That's how I bothered, I bothered you guys nonstop for one year. <laughs> <laughs> so let me uh, let me ask. Well, do you see a lot of a lot of couples out there on the street, like a lot of male, female couples, like your, or whatever kind of couples, male, male couples. I don't know. Bonnie and but, Clyde. I mean, it, it, do you, do you run into yeah. that or is it more like solitary uh, users? I see a lot of both. I would say, 
Uh, a lot of them are called, I would say, tricks. I don't want to use that word, but it's yeah. a, like a guy over a girl, and then they bring them to a trap house. I see it a lot. They're right. all over Kensington. Uh, I've seen a couple that I know very well, Joe and Christina. I'm not going to mention the last names, but you know, we were trying to find them for months, years maybe. Uh, the mom reached out to me. Uh, the stepfather got in my car. We seen them. I, I prayed. In front of one pound cheesesteak, which is funny. <laughs> and I said, Father God, be that GPS, be that tracker, be that navigation. Find them. You know, I spoke with power and authority. And we go around the corner and guess who's over there two blocks away? The couple, mm. Joe and Christina. So I got out of the car, which I never operate in. I never get out of my car unless I'm like parked. And I, I started walking after him and I seen him. I started, ah, I don't want to be bothered. Here's my, I said, here's my card. I'm going to plant the seed. And one day you're going to reach out to me. And then three drug dealers came up to me and said, get out of my territory. I said, oh, they know you, I'm right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, get yeah. the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. They were like, get out of my territory. I'm yeah. like, I'm dealing hope just like you're dealing drugs. And they were like, get out of here. If I slap you, I'm like, I'm right here. Come, come. So three <laughs> And they made three steps, guys, and they froze. That's when I knew God was really real. <clears throat> and uh, Well, they knew you used to bench press 500 pounds. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs> Not any, I could barely bench press a, an ant. <laughs> but I know my authority. I know my, my power. And that couple today is free from drugs. And I just want to thank the Lord. Yeah. They're free. They're back with their kids. Hallelujah. Your picture. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a it's a good feeling guys i just i love seeing families get back together the lady was crying out they, you know for ye a year she lost her other son i just want my son back right. you know and get what she has her son back and there's no other no other place i'd rather be than in pennsylvania and kensington and just helping families it's a blessing to be on this podcast to tell my testimony to answer questions and anybody that wants to get free man the card is there the website's there fill the form and i'll get back to you as soon as possible yeah we'll put a link to the website in the show notes do you uh do you live down there or or do you travel down there to do your work i, I actually travel i live in bethlehem guys uh okay i lived in mccarthy but i live in bethlehem now but i travel i'm, I'm on call 24 7 you know yeah. people call me yeah, you're like a doctor. You got the beeper. <laughs> They're always looking no, for you. Remember that? <laughs> oh, not a beep. I think we got cell phones nowadays. Right? Do we have cell phones? <laughs> yeah, now? Okay. I got a pay phone in my. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> what is the? Uh, do you do you, like work at all with the cops down there? Because one thing I remember when we were driving through yeah. there is I saw a lot of the cops just kind of leaning on their cars, watching this whole scene going on, and they it's, they like they didn't engage one bit, you know. It's, it's awesome that you said that because I actually forgot to say it. I'm actually happy you brought it to my attention. So when I'm down there, transit cops do nothing. Regular cops do nothing. They'll just, paramedics will go over there and knock in people. But they don't realize when you rub their chest, they come back. Mm -hmm. uh, Narcan isn't working much anymore, I would say, because of the new drug. But fentanyl, like some some of the stuff that would work. Because I talked to the kid Robert today that's in the hospital getting fixed with the laceration. It doesn't work. I gave my card to transit cops. They called me. Uh, they call me literally on occasions. I don't know what to do. Cops called me once or twice. I don't know what to do when I'm down there. Wow. I would say to them, need help. I'm here. They said, we do need help. We don't know what to do. They don't need permits to go into the 
to the parks. We just, you know, that we're just out there in the parks. There's trash everywhere. It's like a third world country. The mayor's doing nothing. There's prevention point. I don't want to mention what they're doing, but it's like they're enabling them down there and uh, nobody's doing nothing. Ministries are going down there. They're giving food and clothes and helping. There are ministries that are helping people get into rehab and it's a blessing, but the cops are doing nothing. They're just sitting there watching it. And it, it's wild. If you sit down there for hours, which I go down there for 10 to 14 hours, and so a lot of the times I go down with my friend Arthur from like 8 to 4 in the morning because mm-hmm. I like to go out devil's really out there. Yeah, right, that's it. It's, it's crazy. You brought it to my attention. The cops do nothing. Yeah. They do nothing. It was really wild to watch because, you know, when I was down there just for a couple hours driving through there, you know, people are just they're standing with needles in their arms on the side of the road and the cops are like right there on the corner and you know i don't know what the solution is i don't i don't know if i necessarily want the cops to come and arrest them but it's like it's almost as if everybody in the in the in the city government in philadelphia just kind of throws up their hands and say there's nothing we can do they don't know what to do but what could you do even if you had unlimited funds like how could you we talk about this all the time like how could we fix this you know I know what I, I would do. Uh, a lot of people, they want to plant places in Kensington. I would plant a, ba- a thing maybe two hours away from Kensington. And though there's places out there. There are places out there. Like, there's a place that I know. I know the guy. I met up with him. I had a meeting with him. David, David, I'm not going to mention his last name, but he's starting a thing called Philly Dream Center. It's going to be 50,000 square feet. Wow. And it's different buildings for the youth, for the addicts. He has a church. He's going to have Bible study. If you look it up, it's going to be humongous. It's going to be humongous. But this is what we need more of. Mm. We need it all over the world. So so people, they don't want to help the homeless. And I, let me tell you something. They don't want to help the vets. <laughs> That's right. exactly who they mm, yeah. You know, but for us, are we fighting for them? I don't, I don't see that. That's just me. Right. Yeah. We got to get a building, guys. Somebody, you know, they, we got to dream big. The, yeah. the, the time of dreaming small is over. If we want to see a change in the world, we got to be the change. So what I what I heard from somebody that I know very well that I evangelized with, Hope House is coming. <laughs> mm. And I heard the word. I heard where it's going to be, how much it's going to be, how many beds it's going to be, and what it's going to be. Like, I believe it's going to be trauma specialists, weaning people off of drugs, <laughs> catering to who they are, catering to the... Like their trauma, catering to what's going on in their life, what what made them go, like gripping them out of the grips of hell, basically getting them out of the trenches because people need an open ear. Uh, you know, they don't need, I, I wouldn't say clothes and food. They need that too, but they need an open ear. Yeah. They need like, I'm a therapist. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's true, right? Because there's so, so much of addiction is grounded in trauma. And, and if you don't address the underlying cause, you're absolutely right. If people are just going to go back out and keep doing what they're doing. Right. right? It's, it's, it's crazy how they just shoot themselves up and they just forget about their problems. Some wake up, some don't. Yeah. It's just sad. You know, people are crying out there. If you, if you go to any place, where do you guys live? Long Island, New York. New York, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The people I work for is from Long Island. Yeah. That's, uh, and uh, it's just, it's a lot. Long Island's, I see in, even in Times Square, Meatpacking District, yeah. people are hurting. There's over 80,000 homeless people. You can look it up. Yeah. So I'm bringing revivals here, guys. That's here. 
right? Well, it, we it, need people it, it, like it, you for sure, and we need support. And like, you need a place like when you're going out and evangelizing and you're doing your thing. Like, it sounds like if you had something that you could count on to send people to or to know it was like right. your thing, like that hope house. You could be like, listen, it's my place. I'm getting you there. Just trust me. Right. And then that would be huge. But, you know, like you said, extreme problems require extreme measures to fix them, right? I have big visions. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm five and a half years sober. And, I, I, you know, I just, I'm starting to see big things happen. Hope House is coming. You know, I speak it and I prophesy in a way that it's planted. My name's on it. Yeah. And people are going to get healed all over the nation. People are going to come from different countries, different states. And it's going to be a, a good protocol, a structure. And the blueprint is there. Right. The blueprint's going to. And people can. going to everybody all over the world. Yeah. And then people can follow the example of it. That's the other thing. Like, yeah, you're going to do that. But other people in your position are going to see that, and then they're going to do their thing, and it's going to be it'll all spread. I want everybody. I want everybody to follow the structure that I'm thinking. Yeah. And and have the same blueprint, and just uh, just cater to everybody. I wouldn't say the same things to Nat to, to the other, you know, the other person. I wouldn't. I, every you got to cater to everybody's needs. How. I would say I, I would cater to that in a different way than somebody else. Like I would find out what he likes, what his hobbies are. Who who is that deep down inside him? What, who is that? Like beyond onion. Like I peel the onion. Yeah. I would peel that's onion. <laughs> layer after layer after layer after layer. There is a good gnat in him. He's I mean? there. Yeah. He, he isn't a real gnat where you want to slap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows me better than yeah, I you see, He's got you dead to rights, man. <laughs> you got me pegged. <laughs> so tell us how, how people can, uh, I know you said you have a website, and why don't you give it out there, your phone numbers, your sure. websites, and like how do we get Scott? Sure. Uh, how you find me is kensingtonhope.com. Uh, the number is 917-538-3420. The form is out there. You just fill out the form. It goes to the, the email directed on the bottom of it that you hear. There's testimonies on the website. There's pictures on the website. There's my testimony on the website. My friend Anthony believed in me. He's seen uh, a calling on my life, and he w we wanted to be a part of it. So he did everything, honestly, by the grace of God. And I, I'm happy that he's he seen something in me. He started that. And uh, my name is Scott Mannheimer. And uh, I have a website, Hope Dealer for the Lost, on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, all you have to do is reach out. You know, 917-538-3420. It just takes that one call, yeah. that one uh, that one button. And you just press those buttons. It goes right to my phone. And we, we, we learn about who that person is beyond the other side of the phone, and we, we get the right help. And that's the biggest thing, the right help. Right. Not yeah. psychiatrists, doctors who just want to put you as a guinea pig. I want to get to the right help and get your life back on track. And, you know, you, you not walk the tightrope. You're going to, you know, you're going to walk a straight line and open up doors that no man could close because the. You know, people are opening up doors that I wouldn't even believe. Who would ever think I would be in Kensington? Yeah. The drug infested yeah. hood. It's wild. Oh. I leave and I'm in like, I'm crying on the way home and I don't cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's man. Like a wow. It's a wow moment. And he's seen that wow moment with his kids. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, spreading your message. And I want updates, like when things are getting better. Like I really want to know about how things are going. It sounds like you have such awesome plans, and you're gonna you're already helping a lot of people. But uh, I'm excited for the future for you and, and what you're going to be able to do. And any way we can help get the message out about your your new initiatives in Kensington. Hundred percent, please. Yeah, please stay in out. touch. You know how to find us, uh, and I promise yep. it won't take a year to get back yes. to you next time. <laughs> it better not, or I'm coming to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting on top of stuff. We're good. We're yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are a blessing. You know, in due time, look what happened. I'm on. I'm on yeah. a, a podcast with you guys on Zoom, and it's a blessing to just share and just tell everybody like how people you could get your life transformed in a hoppy. Yeah. All you got to do. Is yes that word yes is huge yeah say yes and surrender and you got it and you see those shackles and chains broken and i, I, I just want to you mind if i pray quick for you guys Yeah, sure well, go right ahead father god we just thank you lord we just thank you lord for this time father god this divine setup this divine appointment father god we thank you lord for this technology and this podcast father god we just speak to nations that they would hear this podcast, Father God. We thank you, Father God, from Long Island to city to city to state to state. We just ask for an overflow, overflow to this podcast, an overflow of protection around their families, to their kids, to their relatives, Father God. We plead the blood of Jesus over them right now in the name of Jesus, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for divine health in their life, Father God. And we come against any attack, plot, schemes, and trick of the enemy to their mind. We speak a sound mind to them. And Father God, we just ask for the addicts to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Just reach out and surrender, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that they have the opportunity to tell their testimony. So, Father God, we come against it and we come against all addiction, temptation, urges, and cravings, and we break the stronghold in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Father God, that you're going in the jail cells. You're going all over the world with the pandemic, Father God, and we just bring awareness. We bring awareness to addiction. We thank you, Father God, for breaking the chains in our lives and just spreading the love of how good being out of addiction is. And just hearing how proud you are of us and just smiling down on us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank that was you some for prayer. That. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. We appreciate it. And uh All right. we're we're gonna sign off. I have to get to work, Scott. Yeah. yeah me I gotta too. get and you do too. And you have important work to do out there as well. So Yes, I appreciate you guys, and I'm gonna be praying for you and your family. Thank All you right. so much. Thank it was you, great Scott. speaking with you. Take care. God bless. All right. So that was Scott. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on the show. And I have to say that out of that whole thing, his prayer was amazing. Yes, that was pretty pretty intense. Like he didn't write that down; he just delivered that. Yeah. Oh, these are yours. So uh, yeah, um, that was right at right from the heart. Certainly, God bless that young man. Yes. He's doing great work. And um, yes. wow, wow, that yeah. is not easy going to Kensington. It doesn't matter how tough you look. No, that's like you were. I I only yeah. saw it on intervention, but um, if you uh, if you go to like Scott's website and stuff or his socials, like he's got a lot of pictures of what that neighborhood is like. It's really like, and you have to be that religious, honestly. Like yeah. I know a yeah. lot of you out there are not religious like that. I'm certainly like me. I'm not that evangelistic <laughs> in my faith and everything. I'm more of like a you know a standoffish you know Protestant who's afraid to get too yeah, close. Typical to wasp. Typical wasp. But. <laughs> 
I have a lot of respect for that kind of the reason I don't like feel like offended by is that kind of prayer in the show is because right. the passion and for him to be in Kensington and to be helping those people, he's got to have that kind of God. Yeah. You know, protecting him, even if it is right. all from, right. you know, and I thought the ayahuasca thing. Well, like that's an interesting wrinkle in his we story, could isn't go it? go on and yeah. on about that. I didn't want to push him too much on it because right. there's a lot we could get into on yeah. that one. Like, yeah. why was it good for you and not good for the people you're helping? Type yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Well, and, and, you know, part of this is like, you know, in the, in, sort of in the back of all this, sort of the unspoken thing is he's probably getting some money from the rehabs, which sort of circles back to our original conversation about profiting which off got, recovery. This guy should make money for what he's doing. Yeah. Why shouldn't he get yeah. paid for his no, time? No, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But, you know, it, it, as long as the addicts with insurance are being treated the same as the ones without. Did you see how I, <laughs> yes. I was like, well, what I don't have insurance. Right. What do I do? And that's where these people really come uh, in handy. Like I was watching, there's a great show. It was on, um, it was called Dope Sick Nation. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was all about sort of like this guy, Frankie and uh, Allie, and they would be doing like what, what Scott's doing. But um, the thing that they had was they would make money from most of their insurance people mm-hmm. that they would find. But the, the trick was that they would find people who didn't, couldn't pay for it. Right. And because of their relationships, bringing the paying clients, oh, a lot see, of the rehabs would take a, a right. free one. So Plus, you can also, you know, if you help, if you just get people, you help them with the paperwork, you can get them on Medicaid or Medicare or something, right? Especially if they're like yeah. veterans or what have you. So it's it's really, you're making money, but you're also facilitating the recovery. No, so. I love his energy. I mean, um, listen, sometimes you, there's a little bit of... A little bit of faith goes along with it, and you know, God bless him. God bless him. Well, Thank because you, you know, you don't see a lot of the secular uh, organizations and people down there in Kensington no. walking around, uh, you know, trying to get people uh, in recovery. No, so the cops are just know, sitting there. If Jesus comes with, then fine. You know, it, it's an overall net positive, I think, in that area. It is. Uh, so moving right along. Moving along. Um, what are we going to do next? Recovery in the news, recovery in the news, recovery, recovery in the news, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Nat. Yes. We will be, you will be assimilated. (laughs) Are we Borg? Funny you should say that because this week's story comes from NBC News and um, it's uh, <laughs> the title of this article is Borgs are taking over college parties and TikTok. Really? What exactly are they? Like actual Borgs from Star Trek? The Borg is called a blackout rage gallon. Have you heard of this thing? No. Okay. It's become the drink of choice on college campuses across the country. It's made with half water, half vodka, a caffeinated flavor enhancer, and a dash of powdered electrolytes. So I guess you don't get dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, The drink has been hailed by many students on TikTok as a hangover-proof party staple. Hangover-proof. Hangover-proof. It's the electrolytes. So um, as Borgs go viral, some harm reduction advocates who don't condone binge drinking have said that the trend may actually mitigate the dangers of college drinking culture. 
Hmm. Is that interesting? When it comes to substance abuse prevention, harm reduction recognizes that people are going to make their own decisions when it comes to alcohol and drugs, says Aaron Monroe, who is a creator who is credentialed in substance use prevention in New York. She said, but there are strategies we can use to reduce some of the risk. When making Borgs, drinkers get complete control over what they're drinking and can pace themselves appropriately. She uh, described Borgs as really solid harm reduction when paired with other tactics like catching a ride with a trusted designated driver. What do you think about that, Nat? Should um, should we consider these Borgs to be harm reduction in some way when it comes to binge drinking, or does that idea seem completely off the fucking wall to you? It, it seems like a great idea in a college kid's mind, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's fucking absurd, and it's just another thing we have to fight against when my kids go to college. <laughs> That's what I think it is. I mean, I don't think uh i mean when i think harm reduction i don't think of carefully crafted gallons of booze that you can carry around that the major advantage is you know what you're consuming because once you get once you drink that borg halfway down i would think that you're just going for whatever else is in the buckets at the party right like you're not you're not sticking with the borg are you it's totally stupid and it's just another fake thing that kids use to make excuses to get wasted but is it harm reduction because harm reduction is not neither promoting abstinence nor promoting drinking it's completely judgment free um, okay, says this person. My goal is always to help empower people to use harm reduction tools. What is the that reduction? work for them? Um, what are they reducing harm of? They're not. I guess. I mean, to me, this just seems like uh, this is like jungle juice, right? Yeah, like just like um, different drinks. <laughs> but I guess she's saying that it's harm reduction. Um, actually, she made her own Borg named Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> she deserves an award <laughs> just for that. Um, I like that. But I mean, it really seems to me that this is, uh, I, it, so, so there's no question. She said, here's the harm reduction thing. Mm. There's no question of accidentally getting an alcohol that you have less of a tolerance to, or doesn't sit well with you. There's no chance of someone slipping something into your wide open oh. cup because you have a sealed jug and y'all are staying hydrated. Okay. Um, well, yeah. God, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you folks feel about the Borg? Yes. Are you willing to be assimilated by this jug of jungle juice? <laughs> it, <laughs> I feel like... Is this harm reduction? It's do like you feel Pruno. like this is harm reduction? It's like making Pruno in jail, you know? I mean, I, I get the I, the point about being able to control your supply and not having anybody drop... They just used to say, don't leave your drink unattended. Yeah, I mean, it's more of an issue for women than it is for guys like us, so we should be more sensitive to it. True. So if women... But I've... Do women really carry around gallon jugs of booze to parties and just swig off them all night long? The kids is that a thing that happens? I I got to talk to my son about uh, this. Yeah, you have college kids. You yeah. ask them. Anyway, so, I mean, I, <laughs> it's an exciting day in colleges <laughs> and recovery in the news. The Borg. The Borg. Recovery in the news. Uh, yeah. Yes, the yeah. kids are doing strange things. They are doing strange things. Very strange. Speaking of very strange, mm-hmm. are we going to do that? Are you doing that thing? A week, uh, yes. We, uh, by popular demand. What is it? Week in Weird. Uh, wow, it's back. Bigfoot sighting <laughs> reported in PA. Detailed yes. report made. Uh, not by Tim Bonal, but someone else. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Uh, Pennsylvania. 
A former police officer has apparently discovered something unusual in the deep wilds of the Pennsylvania woods, and Bigfoot researchers are hailing it as the latest sighting of the mythical beast. <laughs> this is right around the corner. I love the maybe, Pennsylvania. Maybe Scott knows this he, guy. Yeah, well, we should have asked him if he's <laughs> yeah. seen uh, the uh, Bigfoot. Large and unusual footprints with almost four feet between them were spotted near the town of Indiana, about 50 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. Uh Quote, the tracks were similar to human tracks, but different. <laughs> this is Pennsylvania, <laughs> right? It's not better. Alabama. The witness said in a report made to Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. There's a link. Uh, there is a link, link on to that. The yes. BRFO. Yeah. Quote, there were no shoe treads in the tracks. The man said that the tracks were in a large field that had four deer wandering near it at night. According to the BRFO, quote, deer are the main protein source for Sasquatch. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. So uh, let me read that again. According to the BRFO, deer are the main protein source for Sasquatches. I had no idea. Who knew? Um, The sighting was made on December 20th and investigated and published by the BRFO in February. The group said that the man who made the report was, quote, sincere and credible. Oh, good. (laughs) Sounds that way. They said the tracks are nearly identical to photos taken in Lewis County, Washington in 2020. Hmm. It's considered to be a Class B sighting, in case Ah, you're wondering, which indicates that a Sasquatch was not directly seen, but evidence (laughs) was spotted. Quote, in this researcher's assessment, given the step length and stride length of the prints, the lack of any identifiable shoe tread in the prints themselves, the chronological context of the track find, and its congruence to other Bigfoot tracks found elsewhere, strongly suggests the tracks are not human in origin, but Bigfoot in nature. <laughs> <laughs> congruence is an awfully big word for that group of researchers. <laughs> congruence. Um, and that... Yeah. Is how it goes. Yeah, the full report is available online here. We'll, we'll definitely link to that Week one. in Weird. Uh, that was a good one. Can you pick them from now on? <laughs> that one, Mine actually, Aaron sent me that one. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. And that was Week in Weird. Well, uh, that about does it for today. That about I think does it. I need yeah. to get to work. Yeah. Uh, I know I had a great time. Did you? Oh, it was Fucking fantastic. Fucking amazing. Thank you, Scott Mannheimer. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at twat, you twit. Support your favorite show. That's us. Drop a five-star review on Apple iTunes um, and podcasts and join the private Facebook group. Write and say hello. Guys, guys, guys. Guys. If you do anything today, I want you to go to patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages. Join the lowest tier. It's like, I think it's three or five dollars, right? Join it. You get onto the discord and we are all having a blast recovering together. Um, join us. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our show, send it to your buddies and help share the love and grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non profit yet perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Be good. Bye. Bye.